Insiders, an ASI media podcast that covers the issues that matter most to the promotional products industry. This is Chris Ruvo for ASI Media. Today, I'll be speaking with Counselor's 2021 Person of the Year, Jonathan Isaacson. As CEO Chairman of Top 40 Supplier Gemline, Jonathan was already one of the most well-known and influential executives in the promotional products industry. But in 2020, amid the darkest days of the COVID-19 pandemic, Jonathan's performance as a brilliant leader for his company, the industry, and his community was virtually without peer in promo. For one thing, Jonathan spearheaded Gemline's remarkable pivot to being an industry leader in PPE, helping put products into the hands of people who desperately needed them, while also saving countless distributors as traditional sales evaporated. Jonathan was also at the heart of deeply impactful public health initiatives, from guiding local task forces to getting vaccines to people in his community. He also took a key role promoting industry education aimed at combating COVID. We're here today to talk about all that and more. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's jump into this first question. Take us back to early 2020. When did you sense that COVID would be a problem and and what was your response? The first time we realized that it might be an issue was when I was in Dusseldorf at the PSI show. And that was really the talk of the town. And little did we realize then how much it was spreading. Mm -hmm. Uh, And frankly, what we thought at the time was this was going to be something that was localized, which is a regional event. We had no idea it was going to become the pandemic that it turned into until early March, when it was very clear what was going to be happening. All right. Um, and, and what was your, you know, your, your response at, the, at that time in March? Um, I, I, if I recall, there were some folks in your in your health from the healthcare uh, from your network that work in healthcare that reached out to you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So we've been involved as a company in a lot of different uh regional healthcare institutions and some global ones. But I got a call from one of the big Harvard teaching hospitals. Actually, it was an email from two very senior people in early March who were in a pretty desperate situation in that they were running short of critical PPE. And they asked if we could help. And it was not a business that we were familiar with. It was not a product line that we were familiar with. But what we knew how to do was to vet a factory to Um, find a quality product to make sure it was made in a way that was reasonable in a quality way. Mm -hmm. And we knew how to transport it. And so we started to build an organization around it. It started with me. And three weeks later, we had probably around 70 people working in that product category, trying to move goods. Um, We had a few advantages. Um, Mm-hmm. One is that we had boots on the ground in China that we could mobilize. Mm-hmm. And um, we also had access to labs and to uh, quality individuals. Mm-hmm. And around that time, uh, what we also did was we added to our um, our uh, people inside our professional staff. This was on a contract basis, hiring an epidemiologist, a microbiologist, an industrial hygienist, and a few other people to help us make sure that what we were getting met the specs that it was supposed to. And I will tell you, it was a very stressful time. Um, We ended up um, sending a lot of merchandise into uh, channels and verticals where people were really in desperate need of the merchandise. And so every morning we would get calls 
um, desperately looking for PPE. And you knew that there was high risk on the other side. Mm -hmm. So it was long days, it was weekends, and it was a lot of stress. But in the end, we delivered tens of millions of units. Mm -hmm. And not one unit was returned because it didn't meet the specification. So we delivered uh, in the end. Yeah, yeah, hugely important. And um, it's interesting that you met that you mentioned about Gemline's um, supply supply chain, the the way that you have boots on the ground, as you say. Can you just talk a little bit more about that and how that helped this? Really, what was it? I mean, this was a whole shift. This was into a business you had never been a part of before, right? So, so it happened in a matter of weeks. So, can you tell us about the role it played there? Well. There was an enormous, there were a lot of bad players at the time who were operating in the space. They came up very, very quickly. In fact, it was amazing how quickly bad actors found the space and started to um, do business there. So what we said in the beginning is that we're going to, we have our foundational way of going to market, how we bring products to market. Mm -hmm. And we were going to follow our guidelines no matter what happened. So that if we couldn't go in a factory and vet a factory, then we would not do business with the factory. So we would pull up to a factory somewhere and then say, oh, you can't come in or, oh, we're busy. That was it. If we couldn't come in and inspect, then we didn't do business with those factories. And what we would do is we would go in, we would test We would station people in the factory to make sure that we were getting what we were supposed to be getting. And sometimes this took some time, but it made sure that the product that was delivered to us was the right product. And probably one of the best examples of this was sanitizer, something that we're all swimming in these days. Sure. Way back when, nobody could find sanitizer. And so when we went into the sanitizer factory, we got the list of ingredients and then we tested to make sure that those were actually the ingredients before we bought the sanitizer. And then we watched the fill happening. And we did this with the support of our team uh, that we're able to access. These are the experts that we brought on board to help make sure that what we were buying met all the requirements uh, for safety and efficacy. Yeah, and I think that that was so hugely important and probably such a, not probably, definitely a reason that Gemline had as much success as you did in 2020 selling PPE because you knew if you were a distributor ordering from Gemline that you were get that you were getting a product that had been vetted for safety and that, it, you know, I think one distributor um, described it, it was the Wild West, you know, with PPE in the, in the early days and, and Gemline provided that that stability and that assurance that they were not going to go sell an end client, something that was then going to be under recall or, or, or something dangerous or, you know, um, it, so that was huge. And I think that played such a huge role, right. In, in Gemline increasing sales last year, which is another feat I didn't even mention in the, uh, the introduction, but that gem gem was up last year as, as well. We right? had unbelievable year last year. Mm-hmm. And it's actually continued and increased in fact this year. But I do want to say one thing. It wasn't one pivot. Mm-hmm. It was a series of pivots that we did. So there was bulk PPE that we did, you know, the masks, the sanitizers, the the gowns, the other products that we sold. And then there was the imprinted products that got sold into our uh, into the traditional channel, mm-hmm. essentially. And then there were things like 
soap and first aid kits and new licenses that we put together with new brand partners. There were a lot of things that we did all at once. We increased uh, the amount of machinery on the floor and upgraded machinery. We did all of this in the middle of the pandemic. We were only shut down for two weeks and then we started running again as an essential business in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And I will say um, probably one of the things that we're most proud of last year is that we did not have one case of transmission within our facility. And we had a person almost full time, basically it was full time, doing contact tracing. So okay. when you came in, we knew who you were driving in with. We knew we knew basically everything about people's movements and we were tracking them um, and we were arranging for testing and we were setting up barriers. This is where the industrial hygienists, that's what one of the things they're very helpful with and the and frankly, the epidemiologist as well, to be able to design a facility um, where people can come in and be safe. And we ended up being the master of the clear shower curtain. So you could literally hang a clear shower curtain between two workstations. I can see you. I can talk to you. We're both masks. But the I am protected from you uh, between the workstations. So there was both space and sometimes it was lucite, but a lot of times we use clear shower curtains. It was just a brilliant idea. And there were a lot of things like that that we implemented into the facility to make sure that people were safe. Yeah, and that's um, uh, just lay it out for everybody because I'm not sure everybody's familiar with the story. The, the standards of care committee, I'm probably getting the name exactly wrong, but you, ha but you had these professionals in the various fields that you mentioned there come in and kind of guide you. Uh, hey, this is what you should be doing to keep people safe. Can you talk about how that came about and just what exactly that, that committee you know, is or was? So I have been connected to my alma mater, the University of Michigan, for some time and um, started doing some industry education and did it with the chair of the Department of Epidemiology at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. Mm -hmm. And there are clearly other schools of public health. Um, there's a couple of famous ones uh, in Cambridge, um, <laughs> but I had, uh, which I also have some um, connections to. Uh, we as an organization have some connections to mm -hmm. and have done some work with, but we really like these people at the University of Michigan. And so I talked to the, the chair of the department and said, we'd like to put together a standard of care committee. And we talked about what would be important as we put that committee together. And we talked about an industrial hygienist who's uh, concerned with safety at work. We talked about the microbiologist and she was working on uh, with a team of physicists and other professionals in a variety of other fields on on N95 masks and how do you recycle them. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on. And um, I won't get into why there are physicists involved, but it does make sense <laughs> on all of this um, when you understand how these masks really work. And what we did is we talked to them about what was the state of the art in terms of how the virus was transmitting. Mm -hmm. We talked to them about what was the state of the art in terms of how the PPE works and how you keep people safe. And then we provided that education out into the industry as it came along. Mm -hmm. um, and it worked, uh, you know, phenomenally well. They were incredibly helpful to us mm -hmm. in making sure that the facility was safe mm -hmm. and that the product that we were putting out there met the proper standards. And what we said is during the pandemic, we have our basic values and we wanted to come through the pandemic as a stronger company if we could, mm -hmm. but we weren't going to trade out our values to do that. 
And we were very clear with people in terms of what the order of operations was mm-hmm. and that our values were critical to who we were, who we are, who we're going to be in the future. And so that was really important as we thought about how we were going to deal with both the people internally and how we went to market. And we had a lot of sayings like come in healthy, go home healthy, mm-hmm. you know, lots of stuff that we had around the facility so that everybody understood that everything else you were working on, safety is our first priority, our second priority, and now the whole team that's listening to me would say, and our third priority, because they heard okay. it so many times. And it's old news, but at the time, I mean, everybody remembers what a crazy time with this was. Oh, sure. Nobody really understood completely how this thing spread like they do today. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Even we're not even removed from it yet, but we're further along away from, from the worst of it, we hope. And, and just, and just thinking back to then it, it it's, it's incredible. It's just an, it was an incredible time and continues to be an incredible time that we're, that we're living through. But you mentioned something there that, that was interesting because um, it speaks to another component of why you won this person of the year award. You, you mentioned values and I know values are very important to, to Gemline. And a lot of that stems from, from you and your own personal values, how you like to conduct yourself. And I think that's led, it's led you to be part of um, task forces in your community, various boards. Um, and, and a lot of those were community focused and then and, and, and healthcare focused. Can you tell us a little bit, bit about that community involvement and how through those activities you became involved with fighting COVID-19 in your, in your community there in Lawrence, Massachusetts? So I've been involved with a local hospital for a while, which was one of the um, central resources in terms of dealing with COVID. We had one of the highest rates of COVID in this area um, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So uh, both the hospital and the health center that's here became critical in terms of treating people who had COVID as well as doing testing. There's also an economic uh, development group. It's a private-public partnership that's aimed at improving the lives of the people in the city of Lawrence through economic development. And at that time, um, we decided to form a COVID-19 task force, which I ended up chairing. Mm -hmm. Um, It started as our goal was to stop the spread, which proved impossible. Mm -hmm. And then it really um, ended up being around education. And then in the end, um, assisting some people in setting up vaccine clinics within their facilities. Now, this has now sort of gone back to education because if you want to, around here, if you want a vaccine clinic in your facility, that is something that is much easier to do is there's plenty of available vaccine. When we started doing this, supplies were much tighter. Um, and um, we, we did a bunch of things as a part of the task force. Um, we provided education to the, let's call it the consumers, the people in the community about the safety and the efficacy of the vaccine and the fact that it's free and tried to battle some of the rumors about the vaccine. But we also got some prominent doctors in the area um, together to do a webinar for HR people so they would be better prepared in terms of how to answer questions uh, for people in their own facility about the vaccine, how it works, you know, and, and just to help people become more comfortable 
in terms of vaccination. So there was there was a lot of other activity. It's frankly hard to remember everything that we did. <laughs> it's a very it was a very crazy time, but um, we have been extraordinarily fortunate at Gemline. I mean, we had a really amazing year. Our 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 distributor partners really supported us in a very powerful way, both last year and this year. Mm-hmm. And part of what we've always believed in as a company is the requirement to give back into the community. So it wasn't just the healthcare folks, it was people like the Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. And in the city of Lawrence, the Boys and Girls Club, which is really an amazing, amazing organization, is the place that kids went, um, even during the pandemic, who had frontline, uh, whose parents were frontline workers, you know, through the whole COVID pandemic, and they needed a safe place to go, um, a place that they could get a meal or just a place they could get a meal. Mm-hmm. And places like the Boys and Girls Club, and there are other places that did just amazing work during this time, they needed the support of the community. So during this whole time, we we supported them um, as we always have, but we were fortunate enough to be able to increase our support during this time. There were well, that's, a, that's another thing I was going to yeah, anticipate one of my questions actually, which is that, you know, Gemline is, has always done a lot of uh, charitable giving. It's something that you, that I know that you've been uncomfortable talking about in, in, in the past publicly, because you kind of see that as not the reason for why you do it. You're not doing it to get public accolades. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. But um, this past year, you really stepped up. Um, um, that giving, I think, to record levels by company standards. Can you talk uh, beyond Boys and Girls Club? What were some of the causes that uh, Gemline uh, supported over the last year? There were a lot. It's hard to remember, frankly, without the list. But um, we were supplying local businesses with PPE um, and as well as um, shelters and um, food pantries of various kinds. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll just give you three. Those are two. Um, in terms of what we were doing. And the third one, which was important to us, is to support the Blavin Scholars Program at, back at the University of Michigan, um, which is a really interesting and amazing program. It's for uh, foster kids who never get adopted. They're, the numbers in terms of what happens to them or what happens, the story of what happens to them after they turn 18 is, is really not very good. And the Blavin Scholars Program provides not only a scholarship program, but support throughout the year to help them get through the college experience. So a place to go for Thanksgiving, et cetera, et cetera, and all sorts of social support. Amazing program. Um, We set up a named scholarship in honor of a a retiring board member who had um, done a lot for the company, and we felt great at the opportunity to give back to something that we felt was important, but for him, who was a lifelong educator, something that he felt was important also. So it was a win all around. We felt great doing it. We have never felt good about talking about our charitable giving. The situation has changed a little bit because at this point in time, our uh, distributor partners and the end users want to know that you're community engaged. Mm-hmm. We're community engaged here we're community engaged globally in some ways we have been uh forced to talk about it a little bit more than we otherwise would Mm -hmm. what we're hopeful is that our talking about it will encourage other people to get involved as well because there is need in every community yeah well 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 said now um speaking of other kinds of outreach that, that that you did 
um, you'd alluded to this a bit earlier, but there was um, there was quite a bit of industry education that that you participated in, or, or not participate. You spearheaded in a lot of ways. You were bringing in um, folks who are you know the healthcare experts from your network, some of which you mentioned before. You were also leading some yourself. Can you tell tell us a little bit about what exactly you did and kind of why you did it? So we are very fortunate um, as an organization to have um, deep relationships and a lot of different institutions and we saw a need and an opportunity to provide information to our industry so that people could figure out what they needed to do um, to get through the pandemic so one example was the standard of care committee we actually ran them a number of times both inside the industry we ran them in the community um, where we did webinars on, you know, what do you need to do when you receive packages? And just all these questions that nobody knew the answer to at the time. We also brought in um, the former dean of the Harvard School of Public Health, a guy named Barry Bloom, who's a very famous immunologist, to talk about where the pandemic was going so people had an idea of what was going to happen from here. We brought in economists to try to get a sense of what was going to happen with the economy and, you know, what are the big uh, sectors where there's opportunity for people in the promo business. I believe that these are up on our website now if people want to consume them. The, probably the most relevant today is still The Economist. Um, sure. We put that up there. And the good thing about him is he speaks English and he doesn't <laughs> get lost in the jargon. With economists yeah, there. yeah. You don't, you don't need a PhD in international finance or whatever to, uh, to understand. No, no, we just need somebody to tell us what things look like and there's opportunities, what sector, and there's lots of opportunities out there. There's no doubt about that. All right. I want to, I want to get into that particularly as it relates to promo in a moment, but there's one other thing I want to make sure that we, that we hit on because I'm not sure it came across clearly. You serve on the board at, at Lawrence general. My last year. That is correct. All right. So this, so this, that had to be an incredibly unique perspective. Um, you know, working, I know that you're not, as you've emphasized to me in the past, you're not down in the hospital carrying patients alongside the doctors or anything, but you were in, inside that world. What was that like at, at, at the beginning of, of COVID and then as things kind of worsened? I, you know, that was uh, sort of interesting to see how they thought about their business. Um, but I live in a town with a lot of physicians and a lot of very senior level physicians. Mm -hmm. So I was seeing this through a variety of eyes, through the eyes of people who were running huge networks of doctors or cancer surgeons or whatever. They were going to work every day. You know, if you, if somebody is sick, they have to be able to go and get treated. And I have to say for a lot of them, their business got hit like the promo business got hit. I mean, it was very, very difficult because elective surgeries are critical to the finances of a bunch of these institutions. So for healthcare, it was a very difficult, it was a very, very frightening time. Um, They were right in the middle of it. And especially in the beginning, if you think about what they had to do without enough PPE, you know, what we did was nice. What they did was real courage, uh, frankly. Um, And uh, it, it bothered me a lot that there were bad actors that were willing to sell 
product that didn't meet a standard to people who are leaving their family to go into the hospital every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and every little while I would get spitting mad um, and have to sort of go for a walk to clear my head. But it mm-hmm. was, I wasn't doing the work. I was a fly on the wall mm-hmm. for the people who were really doing the work, which was the doctors and the nurses and a lot of different institutions around Boston mm-hmm. who did really a, just an incredible, incredible job. And it's not just the doctors and the nurses, if you think about it, it's the first responders, it's the people in the ambulances, it's the firemen, it's the police. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of people who were out there every day um, when a lot of people had the luxury of being able to stay home. Mm-hmm. They did not, and we really still owe them a debt of gratitude. I think, that's, I think that's really well said. Let me totally shift gears here now to something else that you mentioned earlier about um, five or six pivots during the course of the year. And I think that's such a good point as to why Gemline had had success. And and um, I, I know you and, and, and Frank were key, were key to kind of spearheading that. Um, and a big component of it, right, was these brand partnerships that, that Gemline uh, formed. The, you never stopped. It wasn't like, okay, COVID's here. We're doing PPE. We'll resume promo business next year. Throughout the year, there was these new brand partnerships. There was an acquisition, I believe, as well. Of, of, of um, was it Rumi? I, I might have it was that. A little before the, it was a little before the pandemic. The acquisition. Yeah. So, so there was just so much, so much happening. Can you just talk a little bit about that and why you guys decided to stay proactive and, and continuing to pursue like that? Well, um, first of all, um, this was a team effort. There is no doubt that nothing happens in Gemline without the team. And we have a really amazing team of people. Uh, you know, I, I'm one guy. Frank is one guy. I think we, we both worked really hard during this time. Mm-hmm. But that's just two of us. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people here doing just incredible work in terms of some of these partnerships, in terms of bringing the product to market, in terms of moving it at a time where it was not and it's still not easy to move product. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it was one of these things where one thing led to another, that as we started to think about the business, we understood that this was a real pivot point for the business and that we were going to have to reimagine who we were mm-hmm. until things got back to normal. We knew that one day we would emerge from this, but there would be a space that we had to go through before some of the old stuff that we did came back to something resembling what it was before. Mm-hmm. And so it was really a one thing led to another, both in terms of the brand partnerships, even with people like Osprey or some of these other ones like Modern Sprout. I, and again, there's a little bit of a blur. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Before this interview, I didn't go through and say, oh, okay, who did we launch where? Yeah. It was move, 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 mm-hmm. and make sure everybody's safe and you know, make sure that those that merchandise actually gets on a plane, gets through Chinese customs, mm-hmm. gets through U.S. customs, that a truck can get in there to pick it up. I mean, everything was broken, mm-hmm. but we managed to do it. And I will tell you that not everything went perfectly. Um, that is for sure. I'm missing just a little bit of my stomach lining from some of the things that maybe did not go so perfectly. But uh, the team stood up when it was important. And it's really less about me, I think, than about the team. I'm really, as you and I have talked about, really the front man for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of people who really just did incredible work within the organization. Very good. 
Um, so I, I mentioned wanted to kind of touch on the economy before. Uh, let's do that now. Let's 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 talk about how you feel. 2021 into 2022 is going to play out for not just Gemline, but also our our industry as a whole. As you kind of mentioned, we we are facing supply chain issues with getting stock from overseas uh, to to North America. That's obviously a huge challenge for everybody. Um, but not just that issue. Let's talk about it. All. Where's where's the 2021 and 2022 going for the promo industry and the economy as a whole, as far as you see it? So I will start by saying, and um, I think Norman Cohn is going to be very surprised by this, um, but I'm very optimistic uh, going forward. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did you say optimistic? Yeah. I am very optimistic <laughs> okay. going forward. What I think that uh, where people get a little bit confused as I talk about this, I don't think that the business will be the same. I think necessarily it will be different, but different doesn't denote worse. Environments change, businesses change. You have to be one has to be able to pivot, and this industry is full of entrepreneurial people who have shown an ability to pivot. And a lot of people, a lot of companies, have gotten through this time, and will figure out what the new normal is. And there'll be some sectors that are permanently impaired, and there'll be new sectors that come up that do very, very well. And there'll be sort of categories of product that's permanently impaired and categories that do very, very well. Let me give you an example of where a potential negative in the news turns into a big positive for this industry. Okay. So right now, if we talk to almost any employer across the country, you hear about labor shortages across a range of jobs. For this industry, that is a tremendous opportunity in terms of gifts for recruiting, thank you gifts for employees, gifts for frontline people. There's all sorts of affinity. Companies are going to be doing stuff for their team members to let them know that they appreciate them. Who is perfectly placed for that? The promo industry. With gifts of appreciation, with creative ways to say thank you to people, so there, there's lots of opportunities here. So something that is no doubt a negative for most employers who are struggling to fill jobs for us is really an opportunity across almost every sector um, in terms of being able to be the people who help companies to thank uh, their team members and associates who work there not to mention their customers. And there's going to be ample opportunity, especially as we go into the third and fourth quarter. We are extremely optimistic. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that we should be paying attention to. COVID is um, waning as we talk right now here in the United States, not gone. In other places, not so much. And you know, we're watching the humanitarian issue and we're watching the supply chain issues driven by this. But it doesn't mean that there is an opportunity here for us as an or, as a as a as a uh, industry. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I it's it's funny as as I was every day I read these articles about you know the the labor shortage. You can't find people. A job that used to be eleven dollars an hour now they're going to pay you sixteen dollars an hour to do the same job. And I'm like, my gosh, I hope distributors are out there capitalizing on this because there's there's so much to be that our industry and not just make sales that can viably do to help. Those things do. There's research shows that they viably do 
help re with retention and with attracting employees and making them feel part of a team. So that's just one. It's a, that's an excellent example there. I think. Um, let me let me let me bottom line you real quick if I can. We were as an industry distributor sales were roughly a little over twenty billion last year. I think it was twenty point seven billion according to our research. Do you think we surpassed that that number this year? Does does twenty twenty one surpass what twenty twenty did? I think we'll get growth in industry. I, I don't know. It's it's there's so many unknowns right now. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, this is a red hot economy in a lot of sectors. Some sectors are still impaired. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, parts of hospitality are struggling. Parts of hospitality are knocking it out of the park. It depends what your business is, sure. and frankly, where you're located regionally. And a lot of people have suffered during this time, but. There is so much money sloshing through the economy. People want to be out and about. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to an airport, and I was flying in yesterday, mm -hmm. it was a mob scene. Um, <laughs> and the airport was a mob scene. And people are going to do what I did. If you have older relatives you haven't seen, mm -hmm. you're sort of scheduling out to go in and check in on the, all these people face-to-face -face if you haven't done them already. Yeah. And so you're flying and you see how busy things are. Go try to rent a car somewhere. Sure. It's absolute craziness right now. <laughs> and so there's a, you know, all this with the economy being red hot, with our product being so useful at a time like this, mm -hmm. I think there's an opportunity for us to come back. If it's not this year, it's probably next year. Mm -hmm. But I think that the business will shift. It will be different. But different doesn't mean worse. It means yeah different yeah. and different means opportunity i think that's a fantastic place to end it um jonathan isaacson ceo chairman of gemline 2021 counselor person of the year jonathan thank you so much for chatting with us they really appreciate it thank you for having me i appreciate it